0: To the voice of Hello, you rotten little bloodsucker. This is
1: Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Daniels. Uh, Hey, baby. Hello, sir. like, hey. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about? Hi, my is John Teague and welcome to another uh, Hi, episode of The Horse's Mouth. Thanks so much for listening, if you're listening. Uh, so today on the show I have Lisa Gay Tomlinson and she is a absolute gem. She's an old school soul living in a new school. What do you call it? What do you call it? A new school society where, where it's new age, but Lisa Gay is stuck to her guns, LG for short. She's stuck to her guns and um, and and just love her for it. You know, she's such a breath of fresh air. So I hope you enjoy um, my my talk with with my good friend LG. Um, what else is going on? I suppose I always crap on about something that's been annoying me or something, some little something that's kicking around in my brain. But I suppose I'll say. You know, I had a pretty good experience recently. A project that I've been working towards has just come to fruition. For I mean, I've been working on it for four and a half, five years, and it. Um, we had a screening the other night in uh, in Hollywood. Yeah, uh, and it was great. It was great. I was a little bit stressed beforehand. I don't know why, but it just was stressed. But it was just turned out. It was just a really good night. The film was really well received. Um, you know. Uh, it just was a special evening, so you know that's something to celebrate. Hey, uh, <laughs> not that I feel like I missed a doom, but you know that was, it was definitely a um, it was a good night. It was good to, to to see. It was the first screening that we'd had um, with cast and crew, and where everybody sort of not everyone. There's a lot of people that were missed, but a, a, there was a lot of people that were there that I hadn't seen since sh- the shooting of it in Montana. So it was a pretty um, it was a great night yeah so anyway without waffling on too much about um about this and that i hope you enjoy the chat it's, it's it's again, so. wow wait till you hear two
0: hours of crap a complete sweet sweet sweet. and total far oh.
2: really oh. right, did did yeah they're just you know walking yeah, around everything. and things get stuck on your shoe and things you see and things you don't see and I, I always keep a clean house and I have pets too, and I want to make sure the environment is clean for them. So
1: it's shoes off for the pets as well. Yeah. yeah. So
2: I, that's, why, that's why I have shoes off. Shoes are always w- at the door. W- tell me
1: this was it shoes off when you were a kid? No. Shoes on? Didn't yes, matter.
2: It didn't matter back then. I don't think so.
1: I find this whole thing a little bit fascinating because it's very, people who are shoes off are fucking shoes off.
2: But some, you know, and some cultures are strictly shoes off. Like a lot of my well, Asian friends, their shoes off.
1: Mm. And is it to do with the germs or is it to do with... I always just thought it was to keep inside clean so they could vacuum less. And that was almost a smart move. No. Anything that vacuumed less.
2: I have birds and a cat, so the vacuuming is a given. I always have to vacuum quite frequently. But it's a matter of keeping the environment clean.
1: Your birds roam free? No. <laughs>
2: That they have feathers, yes, <laughs> and when they preen themselves, and they're a little messy sometimes with their food. They, and they preen get or prune? Preen.
1: Same, different.
2: No, you prune a tree. Birds preen themselves, okay, and they clean themselves. Do cats they... preen themselves. Cats
1: lick themselves.
2: Yes, they cats clean themselves, not preen. Probably... I don't know if it's called preening. Birds and birds actually have a gland near their tail feathers on the on the top side of their tail feather, and it's on a... the outside. Yes, but a it's gland. Covered. Yes, there's a gland, but. You cannot see it. It's covered by feathers. I actually, one of my birds who unfortunately passed away in January, she had lost some feathers in that area and I actually saw it and I realized I'm like, oh, that's the doohickey gland, which I can't remember the name of right now. Um, But they use that. What they do, I think it secretes a little bit of oil and it helps to smooth their feathers. So they'll put their beaks on the gland before they um, use their their beaks to to, uh, glide over their feathers to keep them nice and smooth and oiled.
1: I'm surprised that some fuckwit hasn't tried to um make money from this gland you know like I
2: think it's just it's like birds only
1: Yeah yeah but you know what I mean like someone has put it on arrows or you know what I mean <laughs> there's got to be a way to exploit this 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 wonder of nature <laughs> They exploit everything
2: I hope not Let's I just hope keep not the to, bird all right, gland with the all birds. Right, you exploiters
1: don't listen to that um yeah. Yeah. so you brought me some coffee. Yeah. I'm very much appreciate, appreciative of that, and it's Jamaican
2: coffee. 100% Blue Mountain coffee. It's coffee that's grown in the Blue Mountains in Kingston, Jamaica, uh, and it's regarded as some of the finest coffee in the world, and I love it. And there, there's someone, I watched a special, there's an entire special somewhere on some channel that you can watch about how they go through and they have, how they grow the coffee and how they watch it and how they have the tasters and everything they go through and they close one nostril and inhale and sip and spin. Whoa, whoa, it's just whoa, a whole whoa, whoa, process. what?
1: Back it up. It's, yeah. This is like wine tasting, but they're snorting it.
2: No, no, they're, they're <laughs> tasting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're not really, but these are the tasters, the quality tasters that make sure that the only beans at Blue Mountain. Good. Uh, they may do it for other coffees, but this is part of the process. So in order for a coffee to be labeled 100% blue mountain, because you see a lot of blends and can I mention stores?
1: You can do whatever you want. Okay. There's no rules.
2: Uh, Marshall's, which is one of my favorite stores. They usually have a lot of gourmet items in there and they have coffee and, um, when I'm on the cheap and I haven't had any Blue Mountain coffee, if I've run out and no one I know is going to Jamaica, I'll buy the Blue Mountain blend there. It's like 7.99 a bat, a bag. Is that not so, much?
1: Or that's the lot? Uh,
2: no, it's actually pretty good. Okay, yeah. But it's much cheaper to buy Blue Mountain coffee in Jamaica as opposed to online because it's severely overpriced. So so my, the
1: fly down. Yeah, my it. brother
2: and his girls went down a couple of months ago. Yeah. And last, they went down last year too, and I'm like. Gordon, can you please bring me a few bags back? And when he comes back, he's like, oh, I forgot. So I send him messages every day he was down there. I was like, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And he remembered. He didn't forget last time. He just jolly well didn't want to bring it back. So he, he sent me four bags from Georgia. That's where he lives. He sent them to California, and they're in tip-top shape. So uh, ground up a little for you today, since you said you don't have a grinder. Yeah. And I hope you enjoy it.
1: Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. And this is funny, isn't it? Like, um, And uh, it's quite a drug, isn't it? Mm. The way we go to the links. Can you bring me some back from... Hey, don't forget this time, motherfucker. I know. I know. I'll, I'll kill you.
2: <laughs> I mean, because I can get it. I can get it online. I just don't feel like paying for it.
1: No, I get it. Yeah. But it was funny. I was yesterday afternoon, I hadn't had my coffee. I went up the road to the Starbucks, stood in line with about 20 other people. Just like, you know, just a number waiting for his drug. <laughs> you know, I just was like this. I'm just, you know. I,
2: I have to say I'm not really addicted. I enjoy coffee a lot. I don't think I need it every day because I only have coffee maybe two or three times a week. I'm addicted. I lo- I'm not. So, I make it at home. I have this it's either from the 50s or 60s, this General Electric uh, old-style pot belly percolator for coffee and I think it you know it gets the coffee really hot and I think it even makes the coffee taste better. I Maybe just, even I better love than how into fries. it you
1: are. Yeah. For someone who's not addicted, it's just it's fantastic.
2: No, I could stop at any time.
1: Yeah, that's true addiction right there. So, um, I just want while we're on this topic to ask you about your tea parties.
2: Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're great. I love entertaining. And I'm really yeah. sorry you missed the gentleman's tea that I had uh, a few months ago. Do
1: go into the gentleman's tea for me because it sounds like is it just you had to be a dude to go to the gentleman's tea?
2: Exactly. Yes. But I've also had ladies teas okay. too. Okay. Yes. And I find that sometimes women, depending on where people are from, sometimes yeah. women are more familiar with teas because in America, I think women are more apt to go to tea houses and and host tea parties. But if you come from outside, you know, if it's England or Jamaica or any of the other um, uh, colonial countries or states, it's a lot of people are very familiar and tea is-
1: Do you consider Canada a colonial?
2: Or um, a Commonwealth? Uh, Commonwealth Yeah, I think that's what I meant to say. A member of the Commonwealth, yeah. yeah. So a lot of people are quite accustomed to it, but I go all out. Like I've had a full China set for 10 to 15 years that I've been collecting parts of. It's Royal Albert, which is made in England, and the pattern, it's Old Country Roses. It's my favorite pattern. My father actually brought it to my attention, uh, and it was first made in 1962, and it's a beautiful, beautiful set of of China, and strangely enough, I mean, you can pick it up at vintage shops, or sometimes I would find things in Marshalls, but it might be one large dinner plate, so I would add that to my collection, That's and great. now... And it's eclectic. Yeah, yeah, but it's great. I have the same pattern, and it's, and the teacups and everything, and it's really nice. So a bunch of savories, like everything is pretty much handmade. I make everything savories and sweet, uh, like cakes, a banana bread. or The only thing that I don't make are those, um, golly, what are they called made with the egg whites? I don't eat them. They just look really pretty and they're colorful. Egg Ma- mera- uh, macarons, macarons. Macarons. Yeah. Not to be confused with macaroon, which okay. is different. Yes. Yeah, the French macaron. And, and they come in those lovely colors of, like, violet and pink and yellow. And uh, I don't eat them, but they're wonderful. But and you I make them. them. You
1: make the different colors. I actually don't make them. I buy them. Oh, buy, you buy those ones.
2: I bought them down the for road. For the tea party. But I make everything else. For the else. coffee party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tea, well, it's tea. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are usually, I print out on a on a formal card, and I'll have several to pass around, uh, a selection of teas, and I'll ask the gentlemen or ladies to choose five, and I'll make five pots of those individual teas yeah and uh and those are the teas that we will enjoy with the savories and sweets i love it and we have wonderful conversation for ladies and gentlemen probably some music as well yes i usually have ella fitzgerald playing so it's a nice i think it's a nice affair
1: it sounds sorry you missed it i know i'm very sorry i missed it also you know i love a coffee and a tea and a chat yeah yeah um all right so we've been going uh, this We're going down... This is not normal American behavior, I don't think.
2: Yeah. You mean by me?
1: Yes. Oh. So I want to go back to the roots, your roots. Yes. And so obviously you're not hailing from American soil. No. With such... No, I don't want to... No, Americans are very hospitable as well, I, I, I do think. But I think that you do go above and beyond.
2: I think I put on a good show as an American.
1: I think you do, but, okay, I just have to turn the AC on a little bit. Oh, Um, I feel it. That's great. Yeah, it's a big difference, isn't it? Okay, so let's go back. Jamaica.
2: That's where I'm from. Yep. Yeah, I was born uh, in the parish of Westmoreland, which is on the northwest corner of the island, and in a very small town atop a mountain, (laughs) or on a hill. Um, It's called Darleston. Is it where the blue coffee comes from? No wrong side of the yeah, okay, island. Okay, yeah, yeah. But it's okay. It was a good question. Yeah. Uh, but it's beautiful. That uh, My town is is closer to Negril, which is a very popular uh, Negril, Jamaica, which is known for its seven miles of white sand beaches. It's a very popular place for tourists to go. Mm-hmm. And um, I lived in Jamaica until I was about six and a half. And uh, so I was born in Darleston. And then uh, my brothers and I went to live with our maternal grandmother for a time as well because my parents had moved to the states they got their visas and they went to Florida and they got themselves established there and got a place to live and my brothers and I continued going to school in Jamaica and we would periodically have these temporary visas to go up and visit them in Florida and then we would we would come back until they were able to secure green cards for us which Mm -hmm. they did and then we moved to America and I became a citizen. So
1: hold on, what, um, how, what, do you have fond memories of living in Jamaica and going to do. school? And yeah,
2: I, I really do. And it's strange because sometimes I have a problem with short-term memory, but my long-term memory is quite good. I understand
1: this, yeah. <laughs> and
2: I, I remember things from when I was three, like at school. And uh, in Jamaica, like every single school is private. And we would have these uniforms and the, the boys wore, wore In America, people say it sounds funny because it sounds like C-O-C-K-Y, cocky. But in Jamaica, it's cocky. That's how we say K-H-A-K-I. We call them cocky clothes, and that's what the boys wore. So they were in cocky shirts and cocky shorts. Cocky. Well, we call it cocky. (laughs) <laughs> but here in America, they think I'm saying cocky. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so, and I, you know, I wore, my colors were red and I have like a red dress and a white shirt and a little red and white checker tie. And uh, it was great. And in school, it was such a fun environment and uh, they served hot meals. And I remember one really? day. really, Yeah. Yeah. It was like someone like was would actually be a stable cooking. stable meal? Like curry chicken. Wow. Rice and peas. And we ate out of real plates. But I mean, that was back in the day. It was really nice. I remember one particular time where they had let us out for recess and the school was by an open area um, school I went to is what is called Glen Muir Prep. Mm. And the headmistress there was Mrs. Uh, she was either the headmistress or one of our teachers, Mrs. Brammer. I still remember her name. I think she's still alive. Um, they let us out for, re- for recess. And I remember running and running and I tripped because I was so excited to go outside and I landed because there are cows in the pasture, and no lie. I oh, just landed- Just outside the schoolyard?
1: so yeah. you're in the- Yeah, that's yeah. where we go out, yeah. you
2: know, it's just rural, yep. which is actually one of, it's not a favorite word to say. Why? Rural or brewery, it's too difficult to say. So Instead anyway- You said did
1: fine, I didn't, I didn't pick up on it. I don't
2: really like saying that word. But anyway, so yes, the pastures, and that's that was kind of the back of the school, and I was so excited to, to go out, and I started running, and I tripped on what I don't know, and I landed literally like two inches away from a big cow pie. And one of the taller schoolboys behind me, Count someone, he, he, yeah, he yeah. lifted me up under my arms and set me back up again. And I just kept running. I'm like, whew, that was close. But uh, <laughs> that could have
1: been mighty embarrassing. I know,
2: I know. <laughs> exactly. You would
1: probably going have got a nickname for sure out of that one. Yep.
2: But I also remember, I have a fond memory. I don't remember his name, though. There was, he's, you know, Jamaicans. Uh, the population of Jamaicans is made up largely of black people, but we had a lot of people from the Middle East come to set, to settle there as well. And we have a, uh, a good population of people from China. So these people from Europe and Germany, they all came. Um, what, along, early
1: days? Like yeah. 19, early 1900s? Oh, or? like
2: before, before that. So, so
1: super multicultural.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean... We have a mix, I I should say, and Mm. we have people from East India who came, uh, a lot of German settlers who came, and they established. They all kind of congregated in a particular place, and they called it Germantown because there were so many German people. There's a lot of German towns around, isn't there? Yeah, and it's like these are people, and especially the. But we are all Jamaicans, but we recognize everybody comes. You know, our 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 motto is "Out of many, one people," and because there are many different people who make up Jamaicans. So, and it, it still cracks me up, it really shouldn't, but I think it's adorable whenever I see a Jamaican who's Chinese and, and they just like break out in Patois. It's the funniest is thing. Is that like the Rasta like, talk? Well, I wouldn't call it Rasta. So Patois is really that like, like a tabo Did I just cross a taboo or something? Is <laughs> that, was that taboo, bad? It's not yeah, taboo, it's not taboo. But um, there's a dialect in, in Jamaica and it's, it's Patois. So other countries will have a Patois as well. But I hear people in America, they call it Patois. But we just call it Patois. Uh-huh. You know, and it's just, uh, it's English. And it's made up, you know, there were uh, there were a large number. And, and a lot has gone into shaping the patois of Jamaica. Uh, at one time, a lot of Irish, I think they were Irish political dissidents. They had to leave Ireland and then they went to settle in Barbados. And many of them from Barbados came to settle in Jamaica. So if you think about it, Jamaican patois is very similar to Irish brogue, or however you say yeah, it. Yeah, so, yeah, yep. Yeah. So the cadence is quite similar; it really is. Um, so all this goes back to you know, there our class could have been a mix of like so many different children. So was, there was this one particular boy that I had a crush on. This was like when I was three. Three, three. And um, come and he, on, and it's got to be Jamaican. a little bit older than three. Nope, three. Yep,
1: that's awesome. And
2: we were in school; there was no preschool. We were like in school. Yep. And, um, he, he's, he was Jamaican, but he was of Chinese descent. So, and I remember like every day I would sit there and I would stare at him in class and I'm like, Oh, I just just love him so much. And then there was one day I'm like, today's the day. So they call the bell or they, they called recess. And everyone was shuffling outside of the room. And then I had my eye on him and I grabbed him and I kind of hooked him around the neck with my... You put um, him in a headlock. I didn't mean to. I just wanted... I didn't want him to go away. So I grabbed him and I... Pretty bad,
0: (laughs)
1: Pretty bad.
2: (laughs) I I had my elbow around his neck. Not in like a... Not in like a hurtful way, but just to kind of disable him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever told this to anyone else before? Sure. Okay, good.
2: So I got him behind the door. Is this, do you
1: still work in this mode?
2: And I dragged him behind the door and I started kissing him and he, he was trying to get away. From oh my
1: God, amazing. I'm
2: crying. He was trying to get away from me. <laughs> Where was the teacher? He, everyone had gone out of the class. Already. Oh my
1: God, that is unreal. First kiss.
2: I guess so. I don't know. Is it really considered a kiss it if it's one way? It certainly is. Yeah, unrequited love. <laughs> you know. So uh, those are great memories. Those are really great memories for me.
1: Did anyone find this out? I don't. Did rem- he tell anyone? I don't
2: think so. I don't know. I didn't get in trouble or anything like that.
1: Of course not.
2: But um, no, I'm. Yeah, that sort of thing doesn't happen anymore.
1: No, right. No, I'm low key. Yeah, sure. <laughs>
2: I'm pretty low-key. I, pl- I like to play it cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I can tell. Yeah. yeah. Fucking bang. So you obviously had brothers.
2: Yeah. Uh, I still do. Yes. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well,
1: that's good. No, I, what I was alluding to was this boisterous behavior was probably learnt. I don't know. You know, like the headlock, you'll probably put in a fair view yourself. Maybe. Maybe.
2: It could be. Yeah, I have two older brothers. Well,
1: there. That's kind of what I was going yeah, with. Yeah, and I,
2: um, we have uh, a younger sister who uh my dad and my parents aren't together my father remarried and uh so our, our sister is quite a, a bit younger than us and the funny thing is she was born in florida she's born in america but she spent so much time with my father that she has a jamaican accent she mm. has like a slight
1: can you do the jamaican accent yes this, this, is it is it what i think it is
2: you mean the Rasta talk you yeah, mentioned yeah, previously yeah, yeah. probably yeah okay yeah. yeah
1: i don't want to put you on the spot but no, um so you can sound like bob miley if you need to of i don't course. know if i
2: sound like, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not quite sure what you mean by that but i could sound like more of a jamaican yeah i can put it on i'm actually fascinated by dialects
1: of course yeah yeah because you do the english one yeah ones so as well, uh
2: yeah and it i find that when i when i speak in patois it works a lot better like if i'm sick if my voice is raspier because i know that i, I put myself in a totally and i my, I speak words in a different way. I almost become like a different person As, and somebody recognized that when I start to speak Patua, not like a killer or anything like that, mm, but, um, not
1: like a killer. <laughs> yeah.
2: Because normally I'm extremely articulate. Like, yes, I think the problem in LA, you know what the problem is with people in LA, the, no one enunciates.
1: Well, I mean the, the dialect is going by the wayside by the Ling and the, Oh yes. You number two, uh,
2: you know, my mother does that. She texts like a teenager. She's oh, she does. Funny. She's ahead of the game. She's pretty funny. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so yeah, it's, um, I, sometimes I'll kid around when I speak to my mother. I speak to her several times a week and I'll call her and I'll be, her, her maiden name is not, she still uses Tomlinson though. I mean, she still uses her married name and I'll call her. I'll be like, man, in miss not, oh you do? and then she'll respond back. But she has; she still has her accent. It's not like she ever tries to speak American. She just always speaks it's, Jamaican to yeah, me. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, It's fun. It is fun.
1: That's awesome. It really is. So when you were growing up, we—I uh, know this is so cliche, but I got to ask Bob Marley. Yeah, was he? He was. He was. Was he? Uh, gone prolific. What, what stage do you have a memory of that? And young, or I
2: mean, he was. He was still alive when I was you have to uh, say yeah. <laughs> alive and well, yeah. Around or his spirit was still <laughs>
1: uh, what
2: people love Bob, yes, everyone in Jamaica still, yeah. yeah. And it, the great thing, he's been such a draw internationally. You know, people have come to love Jamaica and the music and reggae music, and before Bob sang reggae music he was singing ska and um and some of that music is so great like that's what my parents used to to listen to uh th- one of his popular songs was simmer down which was uh ska and then he went more into into reggae but he's like our national like marcus garvey he's like a national hero you know everybody knows him he, Jamaica has always been on the map with regard to tourism, but I mean, he, even if you've never traveled to Jamaica, you've, you've definitely heard of Bob Marley and, and the music. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think he's, he's inspiring, you know, and, uh.
1: Like the, the Jamaican flag with a weed leaf in it, you know? That's not our flag. I'm oh. joking. I'm, I'm completely joking. I'm, yeah, I was, yeah. I've never seen that yeah. flag. Yeah, I haven't. yeah. A good one, yeah. Yeah. Lived by it when I was younger. Yeah, yeah you know? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and th- you
2: know, a lot of people have that misconception. Yeah,
1: I know. Yeah.
2: That all Jamaicans that i s I'll say, Oh, I'm from Jamaican. The yeah. first thing they'll say is, Well, you don't sound Jamaican. You I'm smoke like, a believe bowl? me. Yeah. No. And the second thing is, Oh, do you smoke do you smoke uh weed? And I'm like, No. 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 We all not all yeah. of us do. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um and okay. So I just had to ask that. I just wanted to throw it in. No, it because it's all right. It's it's yeah. I, I like he he was such a big part of my youth, and really? I'm from Australia, you know. Yeah. And so, having grown, you know, been in the the land of the the man himself, I love his story. I love. Wait, him. have you been there to Jamaica? Yeah. No. Oh. No, no, no. not I'm yet. I'm so sorry. Well, there's not many waves there, huh? No. Why is there good waves hidden? No. I don't know. It. I've
2: been water skiing there. Oh yeah. I think it's fine for water skiing, but.
1: Yeah. Maybe not surfing. That'd be a good holiday. It's pretty dangerous, is it not? Like if I was just to blow-in. I have friends that went there and got robbed. Uh-huh. And so in my mind's eye, it's always like... Oh.
2: Yeah, it's not... You know, it's uh, Jamaica-like. Many other smaller, similar countries. It's... Um, you know, for a large time, there was really no middle class. You were either rich or you're poor. You yeah. had money or, or not. Um, but even if you don't have a lot of money, you know, a lot of the people, they, they can sustain their livelihoods, it's just on a much smaller scale economically than maybe what we're accustomed to here in, in the United States. And people might go there, uh, either people from America or Europeans might go and see people living in poorer circumstances than maybe they do in their own countries. And uh, they, they might say, oh, I feel so badly. But a lot of them, it's just a way of life. That's, that's how they live. So crime, I think crime has always been a problem um, and it's not like there are not, you know, white people in Jamaica because there are, there are white people who are Jamaican, but th- sometimes people are in desperate circumstances and they, course, it's easier yeah. to, yeah. um, mug to rob someone, yeah. yeah, to mug someone than to, to go and get a job. And they, they probably could have jobs, but you know, I practice several, when I go down there, I don't bring any. Uh, expensive jewelry i don't wear you know i really dress down. it depends on where you stay because sometimes they're very nice resorts and mm. you can kind of still live in a way like you do in your regular country but um if you show any amount of wealth and maybe you're walking around in the streets that are not the tourist areas there's there's always that possibility well let sort where, of
1: it was a generalization it was a bad question because like i don't, really think, it's, it can I don't think it's a
2: bad question it could happen ev- anywhere anywhere It could, and it does happen anywhere, but there's a misconception that because you're, you know, I remember my father telling me quite a few years ago that there were people who, there are many people in Jamaica who have never left Jamaica and they've heard stories uh, about Americans and everyone and they they actually believe that some of the, uh, makes me kind of emotional to talk about it. They actually believe that the streets in America were uh, paved with gold. Like it was they, oh they, really? hearing about yeah, this grand yeah. place yeah. that there was so much there, and then they yeah. they a lot of them have come to believe that Americans oh well they're all wealthy they all have money, you know even if I take this bit from them or if I mug them they they'll have more yeah so and it's just. You know, sometimes people just don't have anything better to do than to be up to robbing people, and it's very unfortunate.
1: No, and some people don't travel well.
2: Yeah, that could be it too.
1: They don't. I remember I was down in Cuba a while ago doing a job, and one of the guys who I was working with down there had an iPod when iPods were brand new. Oh, yeah. And he just had it out everywhere, flashing it off. You know, this is like a thing that people in first-world countries were struggling to own because they're quite expensive and you're in a third-world country just... And I just, the whole time was like, dude, put it away. You know, don't, it's not, what the fuck. Anyway, I, I kept it, cause, but in the end, he had his backpack stolen out of the oh, foyer. No. Out thought, of out of so foyer. Oh, no. And I kind of thought. Out of where? Out of the foyer of the hotel we were staying at. Yeah. But I just sort of thought, well. It's you know, unfortunate. It is unfortunate, but that's, if you've you got to go down, you've got to be respectful. That, Like, as you said, look, people don't have everything, that, but they're very happy. I saw a lot of people down there who were, it doesn't take a lot to be happy. And that's what I love about s- central South America mm. uh, culture. You know, I've said it a fair few times, but I, I just, I think that, that, that there are beautiful, humble people in general that don't have a lot, but they have each other. And that's the important bit that they get. Like, and sometimes in our western driven first world countries we are so busy chasing a dollar that we push family and elderly and also also those little those things important things to the side Mm -hmm. i don't mean to go down this track but they're the things that i'm sort of more drawn to in life you know and so when i go down there that's that's what i see and i think it's unreal
2: yeah i had uh, when were you in cuba
1: it was probably 15 years ago.
2: All right. I was there in 2014, and that same circumstance where I said, because uh, I went down, we went down on our United States passports because we, had, we each, uh, the people who traveled, it was probably a group of 20, uh, we went on a special educational and cultural visa granted by the United States Department of Justice, and it was done through the LA, um, Los Angeles World Affairs Council. They planned trips to places for, uh, you know, <laughs> like some places like you probably wouldn't even think you could go but they're not for to go on holiday you're going down to learn about uh, the government about the culture and that's how we that's how I was able to travel to Cuba before it opened up and some of the people you know they they saw the circumstances of the people because we we toured some of the homes uh, of Cubans mm. and I heard some of the the folks from LA they're like oh it's it's such a shame but let me tell you I mean, it's like Cuba I don't think it's I can't think of any particular place that would be ideal, like everything is grand. No But I mean, in Cuba, I remember, you know, the government provides transportation. First of all, you can, you can attend medical school for free. The government, the government provides transportation for its citizens to where they, they have certain cards they can hold up. If, a, if there's like a public transport or a bus or a commercial vehicle that's traveling, they have to stop and pick up. Um, That citizen and bring them where they need to go. So um, there are positives and and negatives, I think, to wherever. But I really enjoyed the, the visit. And I remember we were touring around the Capitol building. It was crazy to see some of the buildings in the area. They still had bullet holes from the revolution. Mm. and largely Havana had been untouched and it looked like it was in a state of, many of the streets looked like it was in a state, they were in a state of, uh, in the middle of some sort of uh, renovation because concrete had been dug up, but it had been there for like years. They dug it up and they didn't do anything with it. So huge piles of concrete. Um, the streets are not very good. Uh, I tell you on that trip though, we, were, we ate and we were treated like kings and queens. I mean, we had protein. At that time I was eating meat. Uh, so it's like, we had beef, we had pork, and these are things that normal citizens were not able to have, mm. you know, uh, we were able to gain access to some of those, <laughs> some of those foods that uh, they don't have on a, on a regular basis or, or they're, they're kind of rationed for, for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. But I had, I had a pretty
1: similar experience cause I was sent there by an organization in Australia, which I'm, I won't say, but. They were giving money to the Cuban government for schools and uh, hospitals and I was over there for the May Day celebrations to on behalf of that organisation to do a little talk on where the money was going and what mm. they were doing oh, and yeah. to catch the delegates that were at their May Day celebration. And, um, I, you know, I saw Fidel and I was so close I could have hit him in the head with a tennis ball give oh a speech gosh. to uh it was a million people at the is at the revolution square with che in the background
2: oh yes yes of course yeah i know where that is
1: yeah it was um well it was an odd 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 amazing trip yeah. you know i've definitely felt like a fish out of water because i was there with some um well we'd say communist drifting sort of souls and i i didn't didn't feel uh the camaraderie yeah and 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 do you want to hear something funny right of course right. So, i'm not gonna say no one knows so there was a lady there that was the wife of one of the delegates i don't want to go into it because they're pretty heavy people and it was his third wife and the other two had actually died under suspicious circumstances. yeah and so it's just the third one and i remember i was standing there and i was i was drinking then and i was i wasn't drinking then but i was hung over and we're in this little square listening to some music and you know, a lot of these kids hadn't really seen too many white people, obviously, because they were just flocking. And, you know, it's fine. You just play the game, and it's a game. And I just looked over at her, and she was going, I don't understand you. I don't speak your language. Get away from me. And I was just fuck
2: who was she saying that to
1: the kids oh the, the, the cuban kids that were just like you know i hadn't seen a big white woman before and just coming up and just you know it. trying to get a piece of the action and just have fun i was having fun and she was you know yeah. it was so embarrassing it really was oh my god but uh anyway you
2: know about the reefs there how they've been protected for so long because they haven't been subject to any fishing
1: yeah yeah or
2: anything they have some of the most beautiful reefs there Oh, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they Mm. haven't been destroyed. Well, I I don't know what the situation is going to be now, but, you know, I had, I think it was back in the 20s, um, and this was one of the reasons I also wanted to go. Back in the 1920s, I had two granduncles. I think they call it great-uncle here, but we just call it granduncles. My my grandfather's brothers. brothers, yes. um, Went to Cuba. They left Jamaica, and they went to look for work in Cuba. And one came back. And one stayed, and the big joke was that oh, it must have been the women. So when I was in <laughs> when I was in Havana and staying at one of the hotels, I asked a fellow in the, who worked for the hotel, could he possibly help me find my relative? So he got a Havana notebook, and there were six Tomlinsons in the Havana notebook. And we called every single one. And he called, actually, and spoke to them in Spanish because my Spanish is is not that good. I understand more than I can speak. And we came upon one Jose Tomlinson. And he was the fellow from the hotel who called on my behalf. He was speaking to Jose. And then we found out Jose speaks English. He's like, yes, I speak English. So I got on the phone with him. And I think this man is like my relative. (laughs) It was really great. Did you go and meet him? No, because it's difficult and I didn't want to go off by myself, you know, I, I largely just wanted to travel with, with the group. Um, but I did get his address, but I'd lost it for quite a few years and I just found it again and I wanted to write to him and the, you know the thing is it's it's kind of tricky uh, because a lot of things are monitored like you can't just yeah. send packages to Cuba yeah, it's yeah, like the, yeah. even the mail coming from the United States or wherever yep. it's it's highly monitored and it could very well be opened and read yeah. but now that I have his address I will try to write to him again hopefully he'll he'll remember me but because it's I'm really into uh, genealogy and finding um finding out more about everyone who came before me. You know, it's it's a bit different, you know, being born in Jamaica and we left a lot of our family and our history there to come to America. And we have other relatives who, who live in America, but there's still so much I don't know about my grandparents, my great grandparents and where people are, are from. So I'm very, very interested in family and things, heirlooms that are passed down, no matter, it could be a trinket or it could be, you know, like a wooden trunk. It doesn't really matter. I love, I think that's probably why I like vintage items and like, I'd like to collect vintage items and antiques so much because I know they have a history, even though it might not be my own, uh, it's because I, I have nothing you. I have nothing from my family, so I'm busy collecting, I'm just fascinated by these things that held they had other lives you know yeah. the people who, who owned them before me.
1: That's a, it's a, a beautiful perspective because you know like I think nowadays the more the, the norm of this perspective is I want brand new. I want it shiny, brand new, untouched by anyone except for the people in the factory that made it in the third no, world.
2: Yeah, I don't like they miss that. They missed
1: that bit. No. But I uh, feel you, it's awesome. I like yeah. yeah, I like to find older stuff and, and re-fix it up. I do yeah. it with cars a bit. Um, not surfboards so much. But anyway, they have a lot. Of but anyway, so let's say uh, there was something, just going back on Cuba 1, just really quickly, I just yeah. want to say, you said that it's so heavily monitored and that was the one thing that I did notice that I felt sorry for the Cuban people in a way because they are educated. They're all really smart because the, the education's free. Mm. And yet I felt there was an underlying sadness to a few of them who I met. And I can't say all of them, but a few because they were, there was like their wings were clipped. You know, they were very smart, and, but they couldn't leave. And so there was no real sense of they were like a doctor or they were, and, but they were sort of uh, trapped. And I felt that there was, you know, they, they wanted to see the world uh, obviously that they do because they, fl- they flee and they get on rafts and leave. But yeah. um, I, I did notice that. Yep. And, um, and I did not, yeah. The other little thing that I did notice as well, which I thought was really sad and which is the documentary that we probably should have been shooting while we were there, not the little one that we were doing, was that um, it, was, it was sad, it was really sad, but I, I can't tell you how many, it was everyone was for sale.
2: What was for sale?
1: Everyone, pros- prostitution. Everyone was very opportunistic. at mm. Every, like, you'd, so you'd be sitting there talking to someone and then all of a sudden the brother would pop out of nowhere and mm-hmm. say, hey, so you like my sister? Hey, you give me 20 bucks, man. And it happened even all the way to the police when the police came to do the report for the backpack that was stolen. Mm-hmm. There was two guys and a chick and they offered up to the female officer oh for money. God. So I was a little bit like, okay, this is definitely this uh, a pattern here and this is uh, a story of some desperate people. There's, un- there's an underlying something happening mm-hmm. that we weren't, you know, the people that were with were like, ah, it's amazing, it's amazing, and all sort of thinking. Yeah, it is now, amazing. there is, yeah.
2: If you live there, you begin to, or spend more time there, then you begin to understand about what it really means to live there. And you yeah. bring up another important point, because the same thing happened with Jamaica, where for a long time the government did not want to grant visas, or they were so, so overly selective in who they granted visas to. When my uncle, my father's brother, passed away in 1986, the government would not give a visa to his mother my grandmother in Jamaica to fly to his funeral in New York if you can believe that so it was really really rough I don't even I guess maybe it's easier now but I my father I remember he was so uh, disappointed with that that they wouldn't even give her a visa to, to go to her own son's funeral that's sad yeah yeah it's rough but you know I still I am I still love Jamaica there, there are a lot of things to love even though there are many things uh many opportunity areas with regard to government and conservation and preservation. They're getting very good with regard to conservation and recognized. Um, I'll tell you a blanket statement. All Jamaicans are pretty much afraid of lizards. They don't like lizards. <laughs> and, and they'll call, we're so are you famous. serious? So I'm leading into a story. How
1: big are these lizards? Well,
2: we'll call a lizard, we'll generalize. Like lizards to Americans are probably like small, yes. you know, five inches or something, six inches. We'll we'll call an iguana a lizard in Jamaica. Same thing with your foot. Your foot starts at your hip and goes down to like your toes. Okay, we just so call the foot's your pretty foot. big. It, yeah, that's what we call your foot. It's just an entire series of generalizations. So there's and a... So potato. hold
1: on, a six foot shark is massive.
2: Yeah. No, no. I mean like your foot, like your human foot. Yeah. So we just, not like a unit of measurement. Like we'll just call, we'll just say, this is my foot. We'll say, oh, my foot hurts, but it could be any part of your leg. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like super general, super general. Yeah, and, um, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. So all Jamaicans are pretty much afraid of lizards, my mother included. I don't mind them. I really don't. But that, you know, a lizard could be a teeny tiny one or a big iguana. And I'll tell you, there's a particular iguana, there's a Jamaican iguana that is one of the most uh, rare iguanas in the world. And there is a society that now works to protect them. Um, and a lot of them live on an area of the island called Goat Island. And there was this big controversy, controversy, mm. um, controversy, uh, because we had, uh, I think there, there were some investors, I think from China who wanted to use that land and to develop it for industrial purposes. And, uh, you know, people were saying, no, don't do it, um, But, you know, half of the Jamaicans are like, oh, they're just lizards. But it's like, you don't you don't understand. This is a very rare once this thing it's gone and they study them and they need to be preserved. So in the end, they block the investment, which I couldn't even believe I could not even believe because I I would think that they would want more money coming into the island. But in the end, they voted uh, to preserve. These Jamaican iguanas, which are some of the rarest iguanas in the world.
1: That's awesome. Yeah,
2: and there's there's the Iguana Foundation that helps to protect a lot of these species around the world. I I follow them on Instagram.
1: That is. I was proud of my country for that little tidbit. Yeah, I love it. I'm very proud of Jamaica for that as well because (laughs) you know the money seems to win so often now. I know. Uh, Okay, so. That's a, little, that's a nice little button on Jamaica.
2: Yeah, it's good.
1: So at six, how old were you when you...
2: About six and a half.
1: And then you got the. your parents sent for you with green cards. Yes. And we... was this an excite? This was obviously an excitement.
2: For well, you. I mean, we'd already been to America, but it was nice yeah. because we were able to rejoin with them. And they were living in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and it was great. They had this one-bedroom apartment in, in a tennis community called Set Point. Set Point very appropriately, my parents were big tennis players. And when my brothers and I came up, I remember um, we all, because we were pretty small, we all slept on the same bed because I mean, that was what my parents could afford. So my brothers and I slept on the same bed and my parents slept in a bed. And uh, then we eventually moved to another apartment with, with a bit more room. And then we had to start school over again. I remember having to go to kindergarten because we start school much earlier for kids in Jamaica. And it was nice. And that's really where I've spent uh, the majority of my life growing up in South Florida. And I went to school there. I never went away to university. I went to public schools. I'm a product of public schools. And uh, I went to local universities there. And uh, until... I've been in L.A. for almost six years. Hold on.
1: So what did you study when you were at um, university down there?
2: Um, for my undergrad degree, I uh, majored in communication. That's communication without an S. So a lot of people is, say communications.
1: So you sit around doing having conversations? Pretty much. I'm studying communications. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I know how to talk. So <laughs> that's pretty
2: good. I'm efficient. a good listener. Yeah. Uh, it was good, though. You know, my I thought my... I thought I I started out being a biology major, and mm. I'm like, this is way too hard. And I don't because I wanted to be I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician. I was like, first of all, I really don't like blood, and I don't like I empathize too much with people. I don't know if I could really be a physician and be that stoic in circumstances which are just horrible when people are not well. So it's I, hard. Yeah, hospitals
1: I, are hard.
2: Yeah, I can't. It takes I, a certain. Yeah, And I don't think I had that. Mm-hmm. I have too much empathy for, for humans and, and animals. Um, and I would hate to say that you kind of grow immune or uh, I don't wanna do that because I don't think that's who I'm supposed to be as a person. No. I like caring yes. about well, and becoming invested. Well, it's job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I changed my major to poli sci, political science. And I, re- I fell asleep in one class. I'm like, this is not for me. And then I, so communication was the third major that I'd sought. So I, I did that for undergrad. And then I uh, went back to get my master's in business administration. And then at the, uh,
1: Can I just pause for one second? Sure. I know you're a really good singer. Were you singing through this period?
2: Yes, I think I was. Okay, cool. Just yeah. as a side note, yeah. I, I sang through the entire period. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so I went I went back to school for that. Uh, because at
1: the, at the moment, I know you're a very creative person. And at the moment, this is all, we're going left hemisphere, brain, boom, right. boom, boom, boom. So keep going.
2: I wanted to be a university professor. You did? Yeah. And I, with my undergrad degree in communication, I mean, it's like I needed something else, uh, you know, a degree in communication. How far can you go with it? I, I don't know. So that's why I said, in order to make myself more marketable, that's why I went back for my master's degree. Yeah. In business admin and then I decided I'm going to teach so I want to be a university professor so I started on the doctor of business administration track and I actually got through all of the curriculum um, but I never did my dissertation because I lost heart I was like I don't know if this is what I want to do
1: so you mean you were so close
2: I don't know if it was close. dissertations are almost equally if not more of the work that went on the front end with the classes because it's something where you have to be extremely disciplined and write every day, you know, mm. in order to finish it. The, the quickest one I've ever heard of being done of was about nine months, but a lot of times they take years to complete, mm. depending on how is much this, you apply is this,
1: yourself. Is, this, is a dissertation the same as what they call a thesis?
2: Uh, pretty much, I think so. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's an area of research yes. where you form and a hypothesis the and then you piece. prove it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and then you end up defending it. And all yeah, of that. yeah, it's massive. Yeah,
1: they. Are, yeah, I understand what you're talking yeah. about now. Yes, people can bury themselves in those things. <laughs> no, I just
2: I and it was great. Uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate because it was a tremendous financial investment an investment of time. But when I think about what I want my legacy to be, I, I don't, I think my legacy is meant to be more on the creative and what I want to leave behind. I still would love to teach. I always, I used to be a guest lecturer, you know, but I just, I don't know if that's what I was meant to do full time.
1: So you're singing and you have the creative. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is playing in the background yes. of your mind and You're supposed to be doing your dissertation (laughs) slash thesis and you (laughs) are too busy. You're thinking you're singing. Is this what's happening? Um,
2: well, I was also working. I was working full time and I started in working in corporate America after I, after I got my master's degree. What
1: does that look like? Corporate America? Yeah.
2: Oh, uh, it was, it was good. I had an internship requirement and I started working for a mid tech company in the human resources discipline and it, um, I loved it. I think it's a great discipline to work in. And then I ended up getting a job. I love these
1: words. Discipline to work in. <laughs> the, what is my, what is it's my. It's because le- I, <laughs>
2: my major was communication. Yeah, what is
1: my legacy going to be? I mean, I need to start thinking what, what my legacy is going to be. <laughs> a, I love it. Yeah. yeah but I, 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 my
2: mind is always going. And, and that's, it's great. It's a blessing and it's a curse yeah. at the same time. Because it, unfortunately, it doesn't, aff- I don't. It's difficult for me to stay present because I'm always thinking. Oh, you a I, good job right now. Huh? Well, sometimes I'm always thinking about what I could have changed in the past and things that I need to do for the future to reach a particular point. If I do this, then this and that will be the outcome. So mm-hmm. it's unfortunate sometimes, um, but I liked it and it was really great experience uh, working. Then I transitioned to a high-tech company, still working in HR, and. Uh, it, it was great, it taught me all of the ins and outs. It uh, gave me experience in a lot of things that I'd learned in school. And uh, about, you know, I had a lot of experience in engaging with people and learning how to read people and uh, goal, accomplishing goals, so uh, yeah. I really Get a lot
1: it. of life I, skills. That yes. you're probably still using today, I'd say, in your in the work that you're doing now. Yes. We, I, so I don't want to jump forward too fast. Um,
2: you're good. You're good. Moderating this, I like. Well, I don't know if it's considered moderating, but
1: anyway, I don't know what we're doing.
2: You're good. And you're like, no, let's hold on. Let's go back. Okay, let's pause. Uh, let's put a button on that. So that we'll <laughs> I like those words. Oh,
1: okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so you're working in the corporate America. And still singing.
2: Uh, Do you have a singing. band?
1: Did you have a band? I did. All right.
2: It, How does this play
1: in? I didn't... Because st- you were staying away from your creative life, and I know you have one. And you were... Uh, all right, let's keep going.
2: Yeah, so they, I didn't start the band. I was called in to the band. Um, you were in Well, meaning I... I happened upon a party with some members of the band, and they had said who are known to my very good friend Allison, who who lives here in L.A., whom I've known since middle school. And we were this was when we were all living in Fort Lauderdale, and the fellow she was baiting, dating was in this band. And I was chatting with them. I'm like, "Oh, you fellows are in a band?" They're like, "Yeah, we're looking. You sing? We're looking for a lead singer." And then that's how that happened. So I joined the Human Beings, and then we would we the would, Human
1: Beings. That was the name of the band. That
2: was the name of the band. There's actually a band called the Human Beings from like the 70s or something. Not us. Um, but, uh, and then we would gig around town uh, throughout. I think like Tampa was the northernmost place we played and maybe Isla Morada was the southernmost place we played and all of the places in between in Florida. And we'd gig on the weekends and all of that. So, And I would always sing. And um, my father, in, in, in the 1970s, he bought a guitar, from a woman named bonnie and i know this a guitar he never played and he had like mel bay books and how to you know self-teaching books
1: so he had everything but never picked it up
2: he i don't think he ever played it and the woman's name was written on the case and one day it was a it was a classical guitar with nylon string, you know half nylon half steel and i picked it up and i taught myself to play when i was 14. or I don't mean that I knew everything to about guitar when I was 14. That's when I started to. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you mean. Because saying. it was yeah. great. You know, I had, it was a nice portable way to accompany my voice and that's how, and like I'd learned piano. I'm mostly self-taught in everything. Um, but you music, are a renegade. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. But music, music is inspirational and, and highly emotional for me. And it's always been such a huge part of, of my life. And I listen to music every day and i'll try and play something on the piano uh several times a week you know yeah
1: to connect and as a form of expression and release and to fill yourself up Mm -hmm. um so the human beings are playing (laughs) tampa florida (laughs) (laughs) you're still working in the corporate world right (laughs) And when did the human beings become a heavier part of your life than the corporate world? I, or did I you never really leave?
2: I, I I, don't know if the human beings became a heavier. It was, it was there. I was yeah. able to balance. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm exceptional at yeah. balancing okay, yeah. things in my life from work to lifestyle and family and all of that. I've always been lucky to be able to do that. Uh, but that was just really, we would have a couple of practices during the week and then we would gig on the weekends. And that's what we do. And we cut we cut two albums stop it <laughs> like, <laughs> really well yeah they no, go I mean,
1: on, on the tape on the vinyl what on, happened on
2: uh cd cd yeah all right yeah and then uh yeah and then i can't remember what occasioned are but we just everybody's like all right that's enough and then it was just done yeah but it's all right you ran
1: your course yeah uh, yeah but
2: it's fine because i keep singing and playing you know my own stuff
1: and okay so you're still there now I know that you're a really good actress. Oh well, thank you. And you haven't spoken a word.
2: I think it's because you haven't asked me. I'm, I'm not trying to true. jump ahead no, of the this conversation. No, very true. I haven't. I and learned my I've,
1: I've stayed away, but
2: <laughs> I don't want to experience another. Now let's back up. Let's
1: back it up. Let's slightly slow down. Now tell me, um, have were you thinking? Has this been? Was that a thought in your mind from a young age that yeah. this is? A, yeah,
2: I knew. That's what I wanted to be from when I was probably 10. Yes. When I was cast as Miss Wanda in the elementary school play, A Witch. And it wasn't done by talent. Not at all. Who the heck? You know, it was done by votes. It was done by personality. Yeah. And then there were probably two You were the witch. And the other person, no, this was a great part. Okay. The other person was actually the drama teacher's daughter. I'm like, I'm never going to win. It was like a popularity vote and they all voted for me. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, Oh, I was so happy. But I'm, Acting is something that I know I was meant to do, and I can confidently say that that is meant to be my legacy. Because I have spent my entire life. Anyone who asks me, I'll give them the same answer because it's the truth. I've spent my entire life stepping outside of who I am. For even from like years ago, I would watch a lot of British television and I would try to imitate the accents. What was your
1: favorite British? Just had oh, it, I used to love uh, like ship. EastEnders. Yeah.
2: You know, I used to love to watch EastEnders or any film if I'd see any fascinating character. I from. thought you were going to
1: say Faulty Towers. I never you watched Faulty Towers, no,
2: <laughs> but I've watched a lot of them. Um, and you know, I've spent so much time try it or repeating what someone says, even people on the radio from like NPR correspondents are some some of my favorite people to listen to because they're what they deliver on the radio. It's so crisp and it's clean. And there aren't any, uh, 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 you know, that it kind of hurts my ears. Like I love listening to to storytellers and reporters who, no, 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 on, on, on NPR, I don't uh, want to yes. hear that.
1: No, that's right. That's where, yeah.
2: But you're the one who introduced me to The Moth, which I was fascinated by. Are you by. still I'm going with The Moth? The, I haven't listened to it in a while, but I remember when you first told me about it, I was listening, and some of those stories are just unbelievable. Well, you
1: know, I found it again because it disappeared. The, the app stopped working, and I sort of thought, oh. oh. And it's actually on um, whatever, Spotify.
2: But I can go to the website. It has its own Well, website. I mean,
1: I, you know, like in the, in the car, I love to listen yeah. to it in the car when I'm cruising yeah. in the car. It's on, so, but it's on Spotify.
2: No, but I love, uh, which I don't have. Sorry, I'm old school. I still wear a watch, analog. Um, yeah, so I just, I knew that this was what I was meant to be. And it's, it's, it kind of recharges me when I'm when I'm acting and I'm able to step outside of who I am and become someone else. And to assume another life and another direction, and then I get to become me again until I'm cast in something else to do to do that again.
1: Take on a new point of view. Yeah. Find the humanity in it. Yeah. Facilitate a story. Perhaps someone will learn something from that story. Well, I hope so. It's a great, unreal process. Yeah. Is it? Do you? I I find that um, within myself, I just I sometimes think, "Ah, what the fuck are we doing with this thing? you know it's like there's so much other stuff happening in the world and there's this self-indulgent career over here but it's really like i think that's a fear in me that it's because it's such it's going to be happening anyway so why not be part of something that's actually beautiful as opposed to just going and i don't know but there are a lot of beautiful things you can be doing and i know you do a lot of things in the vein that i mean like you do a lot of charity work i know yes yes so
2: i was there uh, yesterday
1: What were you doing yesterday?
2: Uh, One of the organizations I volunteer for is the Los Angeles Radio Reading Service, and it's a service that uh, provides um, newspaper articles. We have people who read uh, stories from the LA Times on the air to people who are blind or sight impaired. And I believe they either have a receiver or they can pick up the um, production on KPFK. So uh, largely I work as a radio engineer. It's a very small operation, and my job— is I read the comic, I describe the comics, I also uh, talk about the weather, and I also do the TV Mm. highlights and Mm. listings. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people would not think, but it's very true that people who are blind or sight impaired, they love listening to television. And there are even services that are, they're descriptive services to where if you and I, as sighted people, are watching a film, we can listen to dialogue and we can see what's going on. Mm -hmm. But for someone who um, is sight impaired or blind, Um, There are descriptive services so people who watch films and they describe, even though there's no dialogue, they know what's going on and they might say, the man is moving silently through the parking lot. He's Mm. approaching a window, he just looked through. So all of the things we take for granted through sight, yes, yes, until the dialogue comes and that really helps them to get the entire experience. But they love listening to television and otherwise we just read front page articles and we read uh special interest because largely a lot of our audience they're older people so we read a lot of special interest that is not too political no murder stories (laughs) (laughs) you know we read health medicine business yeah yeah um, when the award ceremonies come on and you know who wore what we love to describe that political you mean i mean oscars
1: no uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean the host trump
2: I mean we tell I there there are politics that don't have to do with Trump as well and like local um and and we like to read stories that are uh, well within grasp of like local communities and even like sports teams we always read about the LA Dodgers or USC so we try to keep it as local as possible. Yeah. Yeah, for local politics yes. more so than national because they've already heard the nat- what's going on nationally like probably on the news somewhere else.
1: What an amazing experience. It's great. So how often do you do that?
2: Uh, I go in when they need me. So the woman I volunteer for is blind, but she wasn't always blind. She went blind actually three times, and it started when she whoa, was whoa, whoa. Back twenty-seven.
1: Three times, yeah. Her vision came back.
2: Her, but now she's blind again. Yeah, yeah. I, or maybe it's two times. Yeah, but the first time she went blind, and it was a horrifying experience for her. It was when she was twenty-seven. How? And it was temporary. Um, I, I don't know if it was a disease or an imperfection in the rods and cones and all of that in her eye. And then she ended up getting her side back, but not to 100%. And then she lost it again. And I think it came back one more time, and then it was lost permanently. So she's, um, she's older. No, she's probably, yeah, she, she, has a twin, she has a twin sister who's sighted. I think she's the only one in her family who's, uh, who's not sighted. So, but I volunteer for her. She's a really great person. And then when I, on the mornings I go to volunteer, she'll call me in, she'll send me a text. Uh, you know, can you come to volunteer on this day? And hopefully I can. And yesterday I could, and I'll pop by her home and pick up her and her seeing eye dog. And then we go to the studio. What sort of dog? Uh, she's a black lab. Her name is Kari. Awesome. (laughs) She's a good dog.
1: And wow. So much. So so much. (laughs) So, uh, now you're in a play at the moment. I am. And you're shooting something else. I am.
2: Yes. Let's yes. start
1: with the play.
2: Uh, yes. The play I'm in uh, is called Yellow Face. Yeah. And it's a play by David Henry Huang. Um, and it is playing at the Beverly Hills Playhouse in yeah. Beverly Hills off of Robertson. Yeah. And we this weekend will be our third week. The play, it runs for six weeks or weekends rather and uh, we're coming into our third weekend this week and it's a it's a wonderful play and i get the chance like all in one production i can't even believe it i get to play a multitude of characters uh, like who are people and um, news agencies as well because it's it's semi-autobiographical and it tells the story about david henry wong how he was uh mounting a particular play Uh, which didn't get some good press and a portion of it is fictional and it talks about how he accidentally miscast someone who he thought was partially Asian in 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 an Asian role but it actually turned out to be someone who was white and it's like how does he get out of that but it Mm -hmm. the play brings up a lot of good questions and I like you know I think Art is there, whether it's visual art, whether it's uh, some sort of production where it's moving pictures or uh, photographs or theater. It's meant, if I don't walk away after seeing something like that and have questions and start thinking, what was this about? Then I don't think it was worth it to me. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, totally. I love something that stays with you yeah, for the good or bad. Yes. I saw, um, sorry to cut you off, but I saw a painting in Melbourne just before I left and it was of this sheep standing over its dead lamb and it's surrounded by crows with a stormy background and it's it's just haunted me oh my god it's just stayed. it was so it you know it doesn't matter of the species or the um you know what we are that you can the 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 feeling and it is so it yeah trans it's it was beautiful because it stayed you know yeah. and you could feel what the mother was feeling. Oh, that's Any, tough. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> sorry when you said that. What no, stage with I mean, you was the first visual I had? That yeah. something that really did. When haunting. art makes you think,
2: and when you're yeah. really struck by it, I'll know. For me, because I mean, people, it's it's meant to stir individual perspectives, and yeah, people. Some people will love it, and some people will will hate it. But um, this production I'm in, it's it's so cleverly written, and I get the chance to play. Uh, I am a person of color mm. and I get to play other people of color who are Asian mm. and like dialect and everything. Fun. News agencies like the New York Times and um, other white people. Oh, yeah. Uh- <laughs> <Who are> known <laughs> So, so at men and women. So it crosses <laughs> genders and crosses race. And it's it's a I think it's a wonderful production. We're playing there until September 23rd. But we're we're dark Labor Day weekend.
1: Well, I can't wait to see it this weekend.
2: Yeah, that's great. We'd love to have you.
1: Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, And tell me about the show.
2: Um, I was... I have a recurring role on a new show. It airs in 2019. Um, This is so exciting. Yeah. So I don't... You know, I'll just say i I have. I think maybe I should be like a little general about it because they're kind of stiff about how much. I shouldn't say stiff. They're kind of private. I think about how much information they disclose. But yeah, it's a spinoff of an existing show on the Freeform network. But I play uh, an attorney in a high-profile case. And uh, can you say and, what the
1: case is about? Is it a true story a, or not really? A well, true story? you know
2: what? Even though this is fiction, this story people have heard about. So it's about right. a young, unarmed, black. Uh, a, a young man who is black who was killed by police because they thought he was armed with a gun, but he was actually reaching for his mobile phone. Uh, so I represent the mother and the family in, yes. in the case. And even a though great I'm, part. I'm yeah, I think so too. And I, even though I'm not an attorney, I, um, Oh, you these were nearly, times, You
1: sounds like you were nearly there.
2: Well, it, the, these are, a lot of times, these are the parts that I tend to be cast for, you know, which is really cool. And I even called one of my brothers, who is an attorney, you know, like before the audition, I'm like, yeah. look, on a cross-examination, do I badger the witness? He's like, no, absolutely do not badger the witness, because my audition was when, it was during a cross-examination. So the way I came across to the casting directors was going to be very, very important. Yeah. Um. So I, I let I just let the dialogue do the work for me and it was fantastic when they said that I was cast. So I actually go in next week to shoot my second episode, looking forward to doing that. I yep. think they're it's probably going to be shooting over the next two weeks.
1: So you've been working obviously.
2: Yes. You got yeah. It
1: done. You've all, you're all done. Have you prepped? Are you ready? If they ask you to shoot tomorrow, could you do it?
2: No. Well, I haven't seen the script oh, yet. I haven't so. seen it no, yet. No. No. Well, no. But. But it starts next month. it's okay, it's okay. fine. Because I'm always in practice. They, these sort of things would probably have scared me. I'm actually a student at Beverly Hills Playhouse too. I take advanced scene study there. Yeah. And the great thing about that is that we remain in practice and we do, uh, we perform scenes and we get critiques on them and we can do whatever we want. And my instructor, um, one of my instructors, Alan Barton, who's who's the owner of the school and he's also One of my teachers, he's a playwright, he's a director, he's also a classical pianist. He says the work that you do at school should be the hardest work because by the time, you know, whenever they call you in on a job, that stuff should be easy. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And so that's why I feel more confident these days about when I book and going out to do the work. And it doesn't even matter to me. It sometimes, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to be cast with like some well known people, that's fantastic. But my only focus is. Am I going to d- be able to do what the director asks me mm-hmm, to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: They did that with us in New York also. They loaded us up to the point of breaking with that much work. That At you the neighborhood playhouse? Yeah. That's where you are. At yeah. a point of saturation where, you, yeah. you know, just so a- a- when you leave, anything else feels like great, you know, yeah. just bang, no dramas. It was, yeah, and it's a good way to... Yeah, so you you interview people also. You're on the board or something at this play... At I would Adial call school. it the board, but well, I
2: do work for the school. <laughs> yeah, but you tell me that you've been interviewing new students. Yes, yeah, so there are... I think we have about three interviewers. Um, because if you're interested in coming to study at, at Beverly Hills Playhouse, you have to go through an interview process mm-hmm. where you have to see one of the three interviewers, and I'm one of the interviewers. And do you...
1: One of three separately or... Separately. Three, yeah, okay.
2: Yeah, so it's individual, and we just make the decision... because. And some people call, they're like, oh, well, can I just join? And they'll call on the phone. It's like, no, we really want you to come in. And we have three campuses. The largest one is here in Beverly Hills. Uh, the other, we have one in San Francisco, and we also have one in New York. And I think the New York contingency is the smallest one. Um, but you have to come in if you if you plan to join or if you have a desire to join. You must come to interview. And talk about your experience, and we have three levels of adult classes um, that we can place people into, and uh, it's great because we just want to get a feel for the people coming in, of course, and make sure we have a lot of fun at school. But it's it's very very serious, you know. The Playhouse is there to ensure that working actors, if you come to study there, we want to help keep working actors working, and to get and to also get actors more. Work and everything revolves around that. You having the goal to to work in industry.
1: Do you do you help them with representation and finding stuff like that, or no? But there's there's
2: actually a separate that that's not taught in class. But Mm there is actually a separate component to uh, what we do. If you join up classes, it's called it's the administration portion, and it's basically students helping one another. They meet separately weekly, and they help one another navigate the industry. Whether it's I'm looking for an agent, it could be someone in the group who says, Oh my agent is looking to take on new clients so there's a tremendous amount of intelligence and support that that students possess there at the school and we just help one another get through the industry and to book jobs and communicate with people like directors or producers or casting directors so it's a pretty i think it's like one of the i think it's like the best deal going around you know and i've been there a little bit over four years and i wish i had started sooner
1: yeah well that part that you just touched on i think is the it's a, it's, a, it's It was a part that was definitely missing, and I feel like it is missing. Like, you know, you go away and you learn. You learn the craft. You learn all these aspects of the industry which are super important. But when you come out and you expect the world to be just standing there and... S- s- <laughs> employ me now (laughs) and the whole business side is a beast unto itself that you know nothing about and it can be so overwhelming you're right and and disheartening and make a lot of people just stop and i think that they should incorporate that into the schools is like business plan how to you know get out there and attack and network and you know that's it's it's, what's a long road isn't it
2: yeah, it is. But it's, a you know, when these students meet in those admin groups, it's like an entire, it's a weekly goal-setting process where the, the student, and it's usually in each group, there may be five to seven students, and they set goals every week. And the students meet in a group because the group holds one another accountable. Mm-hmm. So basically, whatever you say you're going to do that week, by the time you come back the following meet uh, week and meet same time, same place, hopefully you've achieved those goals. Whether it's... Um,
1: so do you have people holding you accountable at the moment? Uh... Mm, you've dodged it.
2: No, I did everything I was supposed to last week. Okay, yes, good. Yeah, <laughs> but I help to hold other people, but sometimes I don't meet all of my goals and then yeah. whatever we don't accomplish, we tack on to the, the current week and it's just a constant process where we're always thinking about it. Get, it you have to get new headshots Then go, you know, get some quotes or get some recommendations and have move a little closer toward getting the headshots every week. Mm. You can't have the same goal for like three weeks because then it might turn into all right. You have to pay us each ten dollars if you don't get this goal done by next week, and the group everyone in the group will be like, yeah, that sounds good to me. (laughs) So, yeah, it's good. I enjoy it.
1: Ah, Lisa Gay. Yeah, I enjoy. I I love um, knowing you and and following your successes. I love hearing about them when I'm in Australia, and, um, and, and I just want to say oh, thank you so much because we've just gone over a little bit, and yeah. I think, well, this is a nice point to button it off, to use your button word. <laughs>
2: that was your
1: word, actually. I know, word. but the one that you picked me up on using. Yeah, yeah. Let's say button again because it's nice.
2: Okay, it's good. No, it's great to be here. I, I just I just feel honored that you asked me to be a part of your podcast.
1: Oh, it's awesome, and... Um, yeah, well, I look forward to seeing you uh trading the planks this weekend.
2: Yeah, sounds good. Oh. Mike Jones, Mike Jones.
0: Oh.
1: Okay, there you have it. There was my uh there was my chat. Shoes on, shoes off. Where are you? Where do you stand? I I don't care too much myself. I I'm shoes on. But uh it's a divider. It's a divider. Anyway, uh Hope you enjoyed that, be well, till next time, adios.